Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Prog Watch, music that tells a story, with your friend and host, Big Tony Rausick, a.k.a. Prog Squatch. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A prodigy? Probably. At the age of 16, he became the youngest person in England to that point in time to gain an ALCM composition diploma from the London College of Music. A few years later, he won the cup and two medals at the Composers' Competition in the Cheltenham Music Festival. An important figure in the development of progressive rock over the last 30-plus years? Most definitely. He's been playing keyboards in Pendragon for more than 30 years and in Arena for nearly 25 he has collaborated with Oliver Wakeman and has been in bands such as Shadowland, Strangers on a Train, and Casino. More recently, he founded The Camera Company to explore the more theatrical side of his musical aspirations. Who is this person, you ask? Why, he's keyboard wizard and composer Clive Nolan, and he is the focus of this week's Prog Watch. And who am I? Well, you ought to know that by now. I'm your old pal Big Tony, host of Prog Watch. And if you hear some uh, rumblings in the background or maybe some driving rain, there is a torrential storm going on outside of Prague Watch Studios as I'm recording this. So uh, please forgive me if you hear some background noises in the audio. This studio is not soundproof. Anyway, a few weeks back, I had a nice chat with Clive Nolan about his past, present, and future. And with his vast back catalog of material for our listening enjoyment, I've decided to dedicate two programs to Clive. This will be part one, and we'll focus a little more on the past. A few weeks from now, part two will focus mostly on his more recent activity. I'm going to start things off with some music from way back in 1990. Clive had a band at that point with Tracy Hitchings, of landmark fame, and Carl Groom, 
who would appear with Clive in Shadowland and a few other projects, and on his own in the band Threshold. This band was called Strangers on a Train and made two concept albums, The Key Part 1, The Prophecy, and The Key Part 2, The Labyrinth. I'm going to play a suite of songs from the first album, including Silent Companion, Crossing the Wasteland, and Perchance to Dream.
Again, that was Silent Companion, Crossing the Wasteland, and Perchance to Dream, from the first Strangers on a Train album called The Key, Part 1, The Prophecy, released in 1990. In the early 1990s, Clive had another project with Carl Groom, which also included the late Jeff Mann of Twelfth Night fame. This was one of the last things Jeff recorded before his untimely death in 1993. The name of this unfortunately one-off project was Casino, and from it, I'm playing a song called Drunk. He staggers through the corridors, he's drunk again, he's drunk again, and he can't identify the source of this strange intoxication. Turned in upon itself 
anything winning is life So 
Drunk by Casino from the one and only self-titled album in 1992. Now let's get into some of my interview with Clive Nolan. Hi, Clive. It's nice to uh, have you on the program. A pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much. Very kind. Yeah, I don't use any of the uh, video. So, uh, yeah, I, you just get my picture. That's it. There's nothing to see here anyway. I'm not even clean. <laughs> I haven't even showered yet. <laughs> That's fine. The only downside is I'm looking at myself, so I'm just going to move my picture very slightly out of the way. Right, okay, cool. So uh, I guess we'll get rolling then? Okay. Okay, so uh, you, uh, what got you started in music? Did you come from a musical family? or? Uh, well, I did, yes. My, my parents uh, were both uh, music teachers and, and musicians, uh, so... You know, from the very earliest moment, uh, they were kind of feeding me that kind of stuff. Uh, it didn't always work out. Well, I, I, I remember one of my very first sort of music reports at school was saying something like, Clive shows no aptitude or interest in music. <laughs> um, but that was mainly because they sort of show me all the things beforehand. So when I was there, you know, precocious little kid, I just wasn't interested in what they were teaching me because I'd sort of done it before. So, um, uh, yeah, but, uh, but yes, I mean, they were there. They were very supportive all the way along. Uh, I took a, a kind of like a classical education. So basically I went to university and, and did a degree in, um, uh, well, in music, but specializing in composition and orchestration and conducting, actually. And, um, yeah, it's always been part of my life. And I sort of jumped somehow across from that direction into the, the world of rock music. Okay, yeah, so... Uh you said you went to college. Uh, you, actually, at the age of 16, you were the youngest person at that time to ever gain an ALCM music composition diploma, correct? That's right. Good research. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, at the, the time, I, uh, I... Now, I'm just trying to remember when I took 16. Yeah, I took this exam. It was like um, I sort of run out. You know, we. I don't know if you have the same, but we have grades. So, like, when you play an instrument, you have grades 1 to 8, Okay. Uh, it's like a series of exams that you, you pass to kind of work your way up. And when you, you can also do that in theory. You have grades 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And uh, I, I kind of got through all those grades quite quickly. That was my favorite ones, actually, the theory exams. And I sort of ran out of, uh, of exams. So the next one up was this kind of, I don't know what level you'd call it, but sort of just, be, you know, I suppose beginning of university level um, a degree, a diploma. So I took that. Interestingly enough, I took the exam uh, a few doors down from where Fred West was living at the time. I don't know if you've heard of Fred West, Fred and Rose West. They were very famous serial killers. Really? <laughs> and they were they were actually active at the time when I took that exam. But anyway. Wow. <laughs> Good thing he didn't cross paths more closely. Yeah, just go a few doors down by mistake. Yeah. yeah right. So um. You've won numerous awards for composition and your keyboard playing. You've studied violin, cello, and viola at school. Um, That's, yeah. Can you talk about how all that has shaped your career and how and when did you begin to focus on the keyboards? Um, well, the, vi the violin was my main instrument. So uh, throughout sort of school and heading towards the university, that was my main instrument. The, the cello came second. The viola was really just a sort of an extra um, as I say, I sort of did a, it was a kind of a classical education. So the music I was involved in was, was mostly sort of classically orientated. And I didn't really know much about pop or rock music at all. 
And I changed schools uh, at the age of 16. Uh, so for my last couple of years at school, I went to a different school. And I, I sort of decided to, to kind of have a bit of a personality change and a bit of a sort of clean sweep. I thought, well, they don't know me. I can start again. And one of the things I started doing was was just list, you know, wanting to find out what what they were listening to, you know, I because I, generally speaking, when all you listen to is like I don't know, Beethoven and Tchaikovsky, you don't necessarily have a great great rapport with a lot of the people around you. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, they start. So they started in those days. It was cassettes. They started giving me these mixed tapes of uh, various bands that they were listening to. It's all fairly meaningless to me. And eventually. Um, I went. I, I borrowed twenty pounds and I went to a record shop uh, near the school. And I just went through the records. I thought I'm just going to get something, just something I don't know anything about. And I, I, I picked out an album purely because I liked the cover. I knew nothing about the music. It could have been in that year. It could have been punk. It could have been anything. But as it turned out, it was uh, uh, Seconds Out by Genesis. Um, and uh, I kind of listened to that and liked it very quickly and it sort of moved on so I kind of grew grew to like that sort of area of music but even then I was still I went to university did the classical thing uh, and it was only I, I sort of you know I started playing in a rock band and then eventually because I'd known Nick Barrett in Pendragon I'd known him since like the age of four wow. eventually I needed a keyboard player and it, it kind of all came together at that point so I thought I'd do that Keyboards mainly because not that many rock bands at the time needed a violinist. Right. So I had to do something. And, and of course, playing the piano to whatever level is something you sort of have to do in, in the direction I was going. So that was the obvious instrument to go for where, when it came to sort of forming bands and playing that kind of music. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the early 1990s, Clive was also in a band called Shadowland, again with Carl Groom on guitar and Ian Salmon, later with Arena on bass. Shadowland produced three studio albums in the 90s, one live album, and a number of compilations. I'm going to play a song called Hall of Mirrors from their first album, 1992's Ring of Roses.
Faces of my past Shadows everlasting Etched in the glass Is there nothing I can do Nothing I can say To make it all come true Then it's all over now Yes, it's all over now This dance has got to end I always knew it would Dance has got to end I never understood the message The message in the mirrors The mirrors Is there no one else to blame? No one else to hate So it's all over now Yes, it's all Over now
Again, that was Hall of Mirrors from the first Shadowland album, Ring of Roses, in 1992. I mentioned earlier that Clive collaborated with Oliver Wakeman, and the pair actually produced two albums, both very story-driven and theatrical at the core, perhaps foreshadowing some of his later work. Anyway, from the first of these albums, The Jabberwocky in 1999, this is Call to Arms and Finale.
One, two, one, two, and through and through the Vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with his head he went galumphing back. Slithy toes did gar and gimble in the wade. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the moan rats outgrade.
Call to Arms in Finale by Clive Nolan and Oliver Wakeman, the conclusion of their first collaboration called The Jabberwocky. Now let's listen to some more of my interview with Clive. There is a new Arena album coming out this year, right, called Double Vision? There is, yes, indeed. And yeah. uh, that's also the title of a track on The Visitor. Is there a relationship there? Is there a unifying concept of some sort? Yeah, there, there is a connection. I mean, we... We always knew this year we would do, for the tour, we would do um, like a 20th anniversary of The Visitor. Um, and But we were aware that it was time to bring out a new album. So I sort of suggested maybe we, we took a title from, from The Visitor, took it across to a new album. Uh, I mean, Double Vision as such is not a concept album, but what there is on there is uh, there's a big track called uh, The Legend of Elijah Shade, and that is the, that's the kind of big 20-minute job. And basically that is very connected to The Visitor. It answers a bunch of questions that people have been asking me for the last 20 years about The Visitor and explores a little bit more about the world of what The Visitor might be. So there is a very direct, correct connection as well. Cool. So um, what's special about The Visitor? Uh, obviously the 20th anniversary. Um the story is that is that also something uh you know well, special was, to you it, it was a concept album it was the first proper concept album that arena did uh, i think it was a, a milestone album for the band because i think it was the album that really made us uh, come of age have our own identity it was our biggest selling album so therefore i suppose you could argue it was our most popular album um and uh, it was like a perfect storm. We had fantastic artwork from Hugh Syme, the guy who did all the Rush stuff. We had, uh, I think, some very strong songs. Uh, everything sort of came together, and it was just before the internet really got a grip. So we also had the advantage of sort of getting maximum sales out of it before the whole world of bootlegging kicked in and yeah. started to try and destroy as many bands as possible. Uh, yeah. Um, so... For this 20th anniversary, are you going to play the album in its entirety? We are, yeah. That's okay. the, the first hour of the gig that we do uh, is, is The Visitor. Uh, I've just been, well, I am working on the keyboards at the moment. It's been interesting. It's taken me months to reconstruct uh, the sounds and everything and find the original sounds and samples to sort of rebuild the whole thing. Because when I went out 20 years ago, we played The Visitor, because we, we did it as a whole album 20 years ago. Um, I had nine keyboards, a set of bass pedals, and two rap units uh, full of samplers and modules. Now I'm going out with just two keyboards. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a whole new sort of style of programming and playing. But anyway, it's coming together. So yes, the first hour is, is The Visitor. Yeah. Cool. Do you think down the road, uh, or don't you think that far ahead, but maybe other albums you might uh, do the same kind of treatment as they turn 20? Um, uh, yes, we might. I mean, we played, uh, if I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think when we went, uh, we did it, uh, the fifth album we made was called Contagion. And yeah, great uh, album. That, that's another concept <laughs> album. And I believe we played the whole of that. I can't hundred percent remember, but I think we played the whole of Contagion as, as a concept piece. And, uh, it, it would make an awful lot of sense if we're still around, uh, to, to do that one, uh, if the time came and that's, um, the fifth albums, that's two albums down. So will be another four years or something, but yeah, that might be possible. Well, you know, if you made it past Fred West, uh, you know, I, I, I think you probably should be here in another four, you know, come on, <laughs> let's be optimistic. Well, <laughs> so, uh, 
What's the writing process, the creative process like for Arena? Is the whole band involved? Is it more like you and Mick beginning and then the others jump on or how does that go? Um, well, I'm, I'm the musical director, basically, if you like. It's a kind mm. of old fashioned way of calling it, but everything comes through me. Uh, but what we tend to do is uh, throughout a period beforehand, people will turn up and, and just leave little bits of material. So Mick and I will work together quite a lot and we'll create bits and pieces. And it's all about creating tiny little nuggets of ideas. We're not looking for a whole song at that stage. We're just looking for, could be four bars, eight bars, 16 bars, something, just, just an idea. Uh, and then uh, Paul Manzi, the, the singer, came along and did a few sort of acoustic guitar and vocalizations, no lyrics or anything, just ooh-ah and, and some chords. I literally put a microphone in front of him and just record that. Uh, Kyle and the bassist came along and we went through some interesting bass lines that he you know, thought might be worth using. And so I collected those. And then Mick and John did some bits together and they sent them over to me as well. So I ended up with a sort of a bag full of bits and pieces, a lot of jigsaw pieces to fit together. And then um, what, I, uh, what I did was uh, when I came back from Japan with Pendragon, another band, uh, mm -hmm. when I came back, um, I decided, this is before Christmas, I, I thought, well, I'm, we need to write, because so, I knew that we were going to start recording the, this new album in the middle of January, and nothing had been done. So I, I, I sort of sat down. That'll be the phone. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Um, yeah, I, I sort of answer it. No. No? Sure? Okay. No, I'm good. It shouldn't ring. I should figure out how to turn the ringer off up here in my studio. There you go. Um, yeah, what was I yeah, so I came back, and, and I sat down, and I decided to write this uh, uh, ballad of um, The Legend of Elijah Shade. And um, initially, I did that one on my own, so I just wrote that myself, because it's actually easier to write on your own than it is to try and take all these random ideas from everybody else and try and make them into a, a cohesive piece of music. So I started off by doing that. And once I'd written that, and it kind of grew, I wasn't planning on writing an epic as such. I haven't written one for years. And then I just it sort of started growing from the basic ideas that I had. And I thought, okay, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, a song takes as long as it needs. And as it happened, this one took quite a long time. <laughs> and then uh, on the 2nd of January, I locked myself in here. And come what may, I wasn't leaving this room until the rest of the album was written. Uh, and basically it had to be written because Mick was booked into the studio on the 15th of January to start recording. And on the 2nd of January, nothing existed apart from this one song. So um, then I just sat down and took the ideas from, you know, whatever John and Mick had done maybe as a riff and as nice chorus from Mr. Manzi and whatever, and, and piece things together and put music around it. And there it is. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You and John Mitchell, you're both very busy in other projects uh does that make it hard to find time to do arena yeah i mean it makes it hard to to to, to organize things like that yes because uh yeah john john is indeed busy and, and and so am i and indeed the other guys as well so it's a matter of you know that pie chart when we decide to do something okay who's available and when and you gradually look for that little bit of time that everyone can do um but uh you know, if, if the motivation's good, if there's, if there's purpose behind it, then uh, we usually manage to find the time, which we have done. Don't go anywhere. Prague Watch will be right back. Hi, this is Nick Barrett from Pendragon, and you're listening to Prague Watch. 
If you are a fan of Arena and were waiting for me to get around to that particular facet of Clive's career, well, here we go. And I'll tell you now that there will be a good dose of Arena, including something from their brand new album in my Part 2 program in a few weeks. For now, let's go back to The Visitor in 1998 and listen to Pins and Needles and Double Vision.
find you. That was Pins and Needles and Double Vision, a pair of tracks from Arena's 1998 album, The Visitor, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. I'm going to finish things off with a couple of selections from Clive's 2013 album, Alchemy. Alchemy is a musical which did a successful run off West End, and then also in London's West End in 2014. For those who may not be familiar, this is sort of the equivalent of being off-Broadway and on-Broadway in New York City. Anyway, from that Victorian-era adventure that is alchemy, I will be playing Quaternary Plan, followed immediately by The Tide of Wealth. Wherever you may go, whatever you Anything can happen Some darker sky may fall on you However much you try To lead a careful life There's always something waiting Some twist of fate That takes you by surprise Treachery of man There comes a time in every life Where we should take a stand And choose to make a secondary Secondary, tertiary, quaternary plan 
people you must fight demands an army And no one in the world stands by your side You could test your reliance on the cry of defiance But a wiser man would surely choose to hide When the door slams shut in the prison With the hangman's noose flying high It is good to believe there's an ace up your sleeve And a method of escape that's standing by When crime is all around us and evil stalks the land Never underestimate the treachery of man There comes a time in every life where we should take a stand And choose to make a secondary Transforming gold from lead But now I can reveal Such discoveries were true And I will make it happen here right now For all of you A man could travel far Walk the moon or stand on Mars Take a sample from the sun Use as fuel to fire a gun Turn water into wine Create fantasies divine And all such things are possible For those who have the heart and soul to try 
This powder is the key to the years passed down to me. Moving molecules about takes impurities right out. The proof is unequivocal. The evidence empirical. I offer every one of you a thousand golden miracles. A man could learn to fly, move the clouds and fill the sky. Come alive, volcanoes flow, turn the lava into snow. Find medicine in mold, even cure the common cold. And all such things are possible for those who have the courage and conviction. To try. A chance like this is a gift from God. Never scrimp, never save, never take that job. You'll have power, you'll have strength. You can pander to yourself with a never-ending tide of wealth. You can walk with pride, with more cash than you can bear. You can buy yourself a palace or a crown. Or more hair. I could say. You'll have influence and wit You can reinvent yourself With a never-ending tide of wealth You can stand so tall As you shine in the crowd Your riches open doors Could it make me well endowed? I could learn to read and write I would gamble every night With a never-ending tide of wealth It is clear, the final change is near. I offer to you now the stuff of hopes untold. Here, before your very eyes, here, this lead has turned to Take that job, you'll have power, you'll have strength You can pander to yourself with a never-ending tide of wealth There's no end to the quantity of coins in your bank
A never-ending tide of What we just heard was The Tide of Wealth, which was immediately preceded by Quaternary Plan, both from Clive Nolan's musical called Alchemy, released in 2013. So I hope you enjoyed this program centering on Clive Nolan, an important and prolific figure in the recent history of progressive rock. I also hope you will join me for part two in a few weeks, when there will be more Nolan and Wakeman, more Arena, and some camera theater company, among other musical treats, plus the conclusion of my interview with Clive. Oh, and thanks to our friend, Dr. Rob Fisher, for helping to set me up with Clive, and thanks to Clive for being on the program. And thanks to you for joining me once again. Yada yada progwatch.com, yada yada Facebook, Twitter, and email, and yada yada support the show on Patreon if you are so inclined. You can find me at patreon.com by searching for my name, Anthony Rousick, that's R-O-W-S-I-C-K. So until next time, please remember to be good to each other, and prog on, my brothers and sisters. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. And always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. If life seems jolly rotten, there's something you've forgotten And that's to laugh and smile and dance and sing When you're feeling in the dumps, don't be silly chumps Just purse your lips and whistle, that's the thing Ain't always look on the bright side of life Come on!
is quite absurd And death's the final word You must always face the curtain with a bow Forget about your scene Give the audience a grin Enjoy it, it's your last chance and out So always look on the bright side of death piece of shit when you look at it. Life's a laugh and death's a joke, it's true. You'll see it's all a show, keep them laughing as you go. Just remember that the last laugh is on you. And always look on the bright side of I said they'll never make that money back. Oh. 